Welcome back to The Cypher, a series of conversations with creators from the Black diaspora who are leaning into their roots to create new spaces for all of us. I'm Christabel Nsiabwadi. On today's show, I'm speaking with Kenya Juma. She's a young entrepreneur and content creator who speaks through her poetry and advocacy. She uses words of empowerment, joy, strength, confidence, and self-esteem from the perspective of a Black British girl. Ooh, I love that. We'll also talk about her experience as a motivational speaker, her creative exploits as a spoken word artist, her podcast, Queen Tings Only, the launch of her business and self-published books, encouraging empowered, confident black women and girls. Kenya, so lovely to see you. How are you? I'm amazing, thank you. How are you? I am well. That is great. great. And I've got to say, the background... The background is looking <laughs> lovely. It's very looking very, very nice. Um, so Thank I want to start. Tell us about the podcast, Queen Things Only. Yeah, well, um, I definitely call myself a creative. Um, and, the, and I've been doing kind of, I guess, empowerment work with young people for quite some time now. Well, I say now coming on five years. Um, and I guess I've just always had a passion for empowering others while empowering myself. Um, a lot of the projects I work on are passion projects, but at the end of the day, they also kind of empower black women, to be honest, and showcase the amazing stories and, you know, expertise and all these kinds of variety of things that black women are doing um, to kind of get insights for myself as a young person um, and also be able to educate um, and spread the word and just kind of just celebrate excellence, really. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, through my brand, I kind of say, you know, find the queen within. That's like one message that's very strong, I guess, throughout my whole branding um, and my business, I Am Queen. So the Queen Things Only podcast, I guess, is just another medium to kind of just express black women's excellence, uh, black women's joy, um, and just kind of, yeah, just have a safe space to kind of empower each other by talking about our stories. Mm, now, if my math is math in, you said five years and you are 17, which means at 12 <laughs> yes. you came up with this idea. Right. Yeah, well, 13. 13, 13. I did. Um, and as of October, it will be five years, which is a, a crazy milestone. Time flies, honestly. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's so much to that, right? Because at, yeah. at age 12, I was thinking of Queen Tings only, but I did not consider myself to be a queen, right? Mm -hmm. So that speaks to your your confidence and your self-love, which I, I'm I'm loving, right? Yes. Um, so... And, and it also speaks to the fact that you stuck with this. You understand that this is important um, mm -hmm. to you and it speaks to your motivation and, and, and to, you know, what's important to you. So I want to start with the first question, which is what inspired you to come up with that in the first place at age 12? Because at age yeah. 12, we're trying to figure out who we are, but apparently you had a really good sense of who you are. Tell us about yeah. that. So I guess it all starts with I am queen, if that's what we're speaking about. Um, yeah. I guess, to be honest, it's not even that I've always known who I was. Because um, I kind of just say, like, finding yourself isn't really like a destination from my personal perspective. Um, it's kind of like even the concept of find the queen within. It's kind of just like all your challenges, your adversities, um, you just truly becoming, um, all those elements kind of, make you a queen um, as much as the glamorous things to be honest um, from the age of from very very young um, I suffered with severe eczema um, and this was like I guess at the time a very kind of big insecurity so 
you know, coming from a, a household that's very key on kind of like confidence building and knowing your history and knowing who you are, I still had those moments where I was quite insecure about the way that I look and things like that. So it's always been a constant journey for me, even now. Um, and that's one thing I kind of try and share through my work is that honesty as well. Um, but yeah, at 10, I, you know, was suffering with severe eczema. I guess it was like a peak, to be honest. And I was kind of relying on pharmaceuticals and things like that. And I just had a point where I said enough is enough. And I found a natural way to heal my eczema through natural body butters and oils and all that kind of thing. And that even brought me back to my heritage because, like I said, I'm African and Caribbean. Um, so I just started experimenting and I was able to kind of heal my skin and turn what was in an insecurity into something that I can actually be confident about. Um, and just from me making these body butters and experimenting, it actually turned into my first business at 10 years old. Wow. Um, yeah, which was called Duarte. Um, and the tagline was, yeah, beauty from the inside out. Um, and I literally just took that and ran with it. Like I say, like everything that I do um, reflects in my own personal life as well. So it's kind of like the world's kind of becoming with me because I am still young and I'm, I'm still growing, you know. Um, but I would say 10 is really the start of it all. Um, I was the first time I was able to kind of really own the title entrepreneur and learn what that was. Um, I was able to kind of just own something. This is like mine. This is my product. This is, you know, I've created this. This is a vision that's come from me. I'm so young to know that, I think, has, has changed my life and it's led to, you know, where I am now. Um, but, yeah, that was the start of it, to be really honest. And I guess from that point, um, people started inviting me to speak about my business, um, as small as it was at the time, um, and how I got into what I was doing. Um, and little by little, I started to speak to, like, crowds of over 100 people. And just from doing this alone, it built my confidence immensely. Um, and I was just grateful for that. You know, I was guided to do that. Um, and then by it who? took me by to the who? point. By who? I'm sorry to interrupt because I'm loving this. Yes. But, like, tell yeah. us by who. Um, I think, I, to be honest, I'm a very spiritual person, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I would kind of say, one, it's intuition. And two, God, to be mm -hmm. honest, in reflection. I think that truly everything happens for a reason. Um and if I wasn't insecure then, and if I wasn't, you know, going through what I was going through then, I probably wouldn't be led to the amazing journey that I've been on now for probably the last five years. So, yeah, <laughs> a long one, but no, that's, that's no. my journey. That's yeah. my journey. I love this. So I want to scroll back through a few things. Um, mm -hmm. You talked about you being an intuitive person and and God driving this, right? Intuition in particular is something that people, no matter what their age it is, struggle with. Is that, and when I talk about that, I think we're talking about that voice inside, right? When you know, like mm -hmm. I, I talk about if my waters ain't steady, then I probably need yeah. to stay away from that. And I've often said that when I followed my intuition, everything has worked out as it should. And when mm -hmm. I start to interrupt that conversation with my brain and second guessing it, it always feels wrong, right? You mm -hmm. said that at the age of 10, you followed that intuition. Mm -hmm. You also said at age of 10, you launched your first business, right? And I don't want to yeah. take anything away from you because at age 10, there's many things that you know. I actually have a 10-year-old, so I know how 10-year-olds roll, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Who, who in your world, and you know, you've mentioned, you, you've talked about your parents, your, your uh, Kenyan Jamaican parents. Um mm -hmm. Who and ha who guided you through that? Who said trust that voice? 
And who, who said to you, this is what entrepreneurship looks like? Or did you already know that? Um, no, I didn't already know that. Um, as you can imagine, I was very, very young. Um, so I guess a key part of the way that I am now, um, which I'm extremely grateful for, is that I'm, I've been home educated. Mm-hmm. So from the age of probably about eight, I was taken out to school. I was a very bright child, very artistic, you know, top of my class. But I kind of feel like I wasn't being, or my parents realised, that I wasn't being pushed enough, you know? I was kind of like the brightest in class, so, you know, let her talent shine helping others, which there's nothing wrong with, you know, because I thought every child obviously deserves to be poured into. Um, But with my kind of, I guess, unique talents and skills and me just developing as a young black girl, um, quite bright, I needed to be pushed in certain areas um, and a wide spectrum of areas. And it's always been art, but it's been more things as well. So. I was taken out of school at eight um, and my parents decided to home educate me. Um, I was home educated through the rest of primary school and all the way through secondary um, with key focuses on things such as life skills and entrepreneurship and that kind of thing, um, as well as history and stuff like that. So at around 10, I think I was introduced to um, an organisation called Ultra Education. Um, Before it was kind of Ultra Education, Um, There was a lady uh, called Shay um, and she was doing this kind of, I guess, workshop that encouraged young people to, what they say is, um, making money doing what you love. Um, And this idea absolutely fascinated me. Um, And I was just at a point where I was like, I've been able to take something that, you know, I was struggling with and find a solution for it. Mm. And, you know, this was really nurtured by both my parents and outside, you know, people that were kind of offering this to young people before homeschooling was probably even popular, to be really honest. Um, so I think I had quite a good support network, to be honest, of my parents, other home-educated um, families around me. And, yeah, that ultra education, I would say, assisted in that, as well as just my parents just, you know, really pulling on all the resources that there is to kind of teach me these things from young. And if you don't mind me jumping in, you also said something in this answer where you said you you were taught to make money doing something you love. Yes. Which grown folks still struggle <laughs> with, number one. Yeah. And it also really speaks to the kind of like the people that I speak to on the cipher, right? Ultimately, I'm talking mm-hmm. to creatives who are changing narratives about being global and black in the world, right? Through creativity. But often in our cultures, in, in when I say our cultures, I mean African diaspora cultures, right? Black cultures around the world. And if you're the child of an immigrant, you're often told, well, if you love art or if you love anything that doesn't mm-hmm. fall within a particular realm where it, it seems secure, mm-hmm. that's not the thing you should go for. So it's a pretty exactly. bold statement, this idea of like making money doing the thing that you love. What would you advise people who are listening to this show right now? Like how, how do you take that first step to start doing it? If you, and you're a creative as well, right? Everything yes. that you're doing, you are, you are doing you are, you're changing lives through your creativity and we'll continue to talk more about that as, as time goes on. But what was your first step and what would you mm-hmm. advise <laughs> the other people? What wisdom would you share to the rest of us about, you know, finding a way to make money doing the thing that we love? Yeah, um, I think that's a really, a really, really good question. To be honest, um, you're not always going to kind of know what you love straight away. 
So I think that there is like great power and just kind of throwing yourself in the deep end a little bit. Um, you know, like you're not always going to have the answers. People, you know, young people ask me like, how do I start? Or I don't know how to do this yet. I don't know. You're not really ever really going to learn that unless, you know, you kind of gain experience just in the action of doing the loan. Um, so if you just kind of, I guess, it's important to look at what you're already good at um, and what you kind of want to do, what you're drawn to do. Just looking at that already, that's that's the starting place, to be honest, because, you know, careers and roles and industries that you can get into um, come into some of the craziest, you know, categories of hobbies and all kinds of things, to be really honest. So just being curious, just being inquisitive, just kind of, I guess, listening to yourself. Um, and just really just researching and exploring different things. You'll find what you're most drawn to, like, oh, that's my thing, you know, because a lot of people don't necessarily always find that straight away. Mm. Um, but just experimenting, really, like even just as being a creative, just making stuff like, you know, we can say to yourself, like, how do you start making stuff? You just you just make it. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? You just kind of throw yourself in the deep end a little bit and then you kind of just, I guess, learn as you go research and you network with people and yeah I guess that that starts your journey in a sense so what would you say to people who are scared of uh starting in the deep end aka making a mistake you know because if I make that mistake then people are going to think that I'm stupid or that Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing or you know like very often like for example if if you want to be a um if you want to be seen as a a leader in your field or in your topic Mm -hmm. right the idea is that you're supposed to know so that you can lead in that way. But if you say something that's maybe wrong or someone else disagrees with, like how would you address that as a creative? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question, especially because um, imposter syndrome is real as a creative. Um, It's something that I guess most creatives kind of battle with. Um, But something I kind of say to myself even is kind of like, if you try and wait for the right time, you know, to start that business or execute that idea, that time's really never going to come. And fear is just going to kind of, I guess, yeah, keep keep on, you know, stopping you from just actually taking that first step, you know, because really and truly, um, I kind of say that fear is just false evidence appearing real. <laughs> um, literally. So I think everything is to do, you know, even what you're scared of, It hasn't Mm -hmm. happened yet. It's Mm -hmm. kind of in the mind. And this is why I'm so key on mindset. A lot of what I teach um, is that literally fear isn't something that's standing right in front of you. It's something that you've built in your mind that's going to happen. So once you kind of just uncog that part of yourself that's saying to yourself, oh, no, but I'm scared. And am I enough? Or am I educated enough? Once you, you know, consider yourself the expert and you're in a place where you're, you know, willing to learn, um, no one's going to know, do you know what I mean, until you kind of make it a thing. So there is just like, you just have to start because even when you're doing what you're doing and now, you you know, in your mind, you've kind of come up with the right time to finally do it, you're still going to make loads of mistakes on your journey. You know, failure is only another stepping stone for greatness. That's only the, the only way you're going to actually be able to learn or be an expert. Because even if you ask certain professionals, you know, because I kind of network, I think there's great power in networking and just listening to other people's stories. Um, but they've had to make a ton of mistakes to get to where they are, to know what's what, you know, how they can perfect their own craft. 
So you're going to make mistakes whether you start now or you start in a year's time. So you just you just have to start um, and just don't don't be your own biggest enemy. Don't be your own biggest enemy. Thanks for listening to The Cypher with me, Christabel Insiabwadi. On today's show, I'm speaking with Kenya Juma, a three-time self-published author, podcaster and spoken word artist on the show today. Stay tuned for more from this young content creator. Sign up for our newsletter as well. It's on our website, which is www.thecypherpod.com. That's so wonderful to hear because I think that's the biggest secret, that open secret that people don't realise is that that leader Mm -hmm. who's out there made a ton of mistakes. And the reason Mm -hmm. why they can talk to you is because they made the mistake and they're telling you, this is what I learned. So don't do that or do that differently, I should say. You know, as a a, uh, black British girl, um, how how has being black and British, um, Mm -hmm. well, let me rephrase that, how has being black in Britain kind of, how did that influence what you did? So, and I say that because just to give our, our global listeners, you know, a context and I'll throw that off to you essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And really, I'm just going to talk from a, from a generational thing. I remember like growing up being black and British in the UK, I didn't feel particularly confident at the time, which is why I'm loving hearing you. Cause I'm like, yeah, if you were around when I was 12, <laughs> you know, like I would have felt differently about a lot of things. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not. Right. Yeah. But I just think it's so wonderful um, hearing you being so full-throated, but in a very gentle way, right? About just do you like Queen Tings? I just love the idea mm-hmm. that you just like yeah, this is this is the the level on which we're operating at. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, you and I are talking, and you're just like you're gonna make mistakes. That's absolutely fine. Um, and you know, in your in one of your earlier answers, you talked about wanting every you wanted everybody else to kind of have what you learned or, or that confidence that you found really yeah. from finding and and you talk about a confidence within and being internal but really you found that internal confidence by looking for an external solution in terms of your skincare products that's what i'm hearing yeah. from you right mm-hmm. so then you then said that you wanted people to be less scared about stepping into their own truth because people weren't weren't raising their hands for the listeners out there how would you describe obviously from your perspective only what it is to be a black girl in Britain in 2023. Cause in, in way back in the day, <laughs> years ago, when I was a black girl in Britain, you know, like it was, it was, I had a great time. It was fine, but it wasn't necessarily confidence inspiring. I wasn't sitting there going, yep, everything is great. And you know, I can find a bunch of role models. Yeah. Um, well, that's a, it's a big question to ask, mm-hmm. um, but I guess, yeah, it's, it's the most personal question you could really probably ask. Um, to be a black girl in Britain, I think it's very, um, I think it's a lot of mixed emotions, you know, um, like to live in London as a whole. It's a very multicultural place, but it's a place where I guess you don't always feel like it's home. Um, and you kind of have to just almost, I guess, find your tribe, find your people. Um, and there's so many different black British girls. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is, to be honest, I, I'm very proud to be, you know, black and British. Um, and I guess sometimes I am proud to claim the British part and sometimes I'm not, to be honest. Um, but I guess 
we ourselves as kind of black women and young black girls have kind of just reinvented what it means to be honest um it's not the same as probably how it was like you said back in the day you know we're kind of trendsetters in a way we've kind of created a culture of our own that's kind of I guess recognized worldwide now um Mm -hmm. to be honest through music through fashion through so many different things um and that's what I'm extremely passionate about is I guess representing a part of that because I'm a piece of that massive puzzle you know if that makes sense yeah I hope that answers the question no no, it does because I I kind of feel that too because you know I I said that I didn't have lots of role models that isn't necessarily true right I grew Mm -hmm. up I grew up at a time where you know um there were role models out there just not as many and I think I was at the uh this is going to sound arrogant but ultimately I think when I was coming up the this idea of what it meant to be black and British was starting to come out. There were books, there was music. We had, you know, we had the the now old school bands is making me feel really sad, right? But like two solid crew are my peers, yeah. right? So and, yeah. and age-wise. So we were finding a language to express ourselves that we knew that wasn't, it wasn't, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't um, new, not to us, yeah. but it was it was a public facing soul to soul. I grew up, you know, listening to soul to soul, right? Which yeah. for a lot of people my age, that was life changing. I have friends who said to me, soul to soul saved my life. And I wow. absolutely understand what they meant by saying that, mm-hmm. because what they meant was we, as you had said, there are echoes of, of what you said. You know, you're proud to be British, but you're not quite sure what that means. But you are really proud of who you are in terms of your your home country, your ethnicity. So that would be what Ghanaian for me or Jamaican, Kenyan for you or Grenadian or whatever. Right. But we Mm -hmm. were creating this new thing of being black British, which is entirely different. It's not African-American. It looks and it feels different. So I was interested in hearing what your experiences were. Because you oh, are, okay. you know, a few few yeah. decades, a few decades later, I'm speaking to somebody who has a lot of confidence and is and is really changing the narrative and amplifying the narrative of what it means to be a black British girl or woman. And I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and so to that point, let's talk about your actual work. We've talked about the mission and all of that. I'm really interested in in, you know, your your spoken word and self-expression. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. why have you centered that? Um, that kind of stuff and, and what is it in these topics and tell us about the topics that you focus on and tell us mm-hmm. why that drives you and I feel like yeah. you've touched on it a little bit but let's be more explicit yeah well I guess related to the spoken word it's literally been birthed from I Am Queen I've been writing for as long as I can remember to be honest um, I guess it's kind of just like a lot of the things that I'm doing now, I kind of see in my younger self, to be honest, interestingly enough, I found a, a first poem I wrote at, you know, seven, because um, I used to go to a Pan-African Saturday school, um, and the poem was called Mirror of Me, or like Reflection of Me, mm. um, and I just remember like that kind of bringing like a flashback or memory of just like how I saw myself at that age. Um which is just really interesting. You know, it was quite a, a strong perspective I, I had, you know, that I was beautiful and these kinds of things that I was telling myself based on the environment I was around. Um, you know, affirmation is a massive part of my childhood that my parents encouraged and many communities around me encouraged. So 
Writing for me is literally my therapy, to be really honest. I've been a very emotional person as well from very young. So writing has been something quite personal that I kind of realised, you know, as I grew, that empowered me. So it was, and then as I started to, I guess, speak through I Am Queen or people started to ask me to speak as of, you know, doing Duarte, I had, that was a skill. That was a talent. That's what I was saying about, you know, finding your skills and your talents and what you're good at, kind of running with it almost, literally what I've done. So I, yeah, I guess I realised at some point that like speaking is my specialty, like talking is my specialty. Like I'm good at engaging with an audience and conveying a message that all afterwards they'll be able to come back to me and tell me how that's impacted them, you know, almost like a messenger. And I think that is definitely a gift that I have and a gift that I'm super, super grateful for. Mm. So as I started to realise that, you know, poetry was another medium for that, I started to start sharing my poetry with family and friends and people started giving me feedback that the kind of topics I was talking about as a young person needed to be heard. Um, and performing a poem like that becomes spoken word. So I started doing that. I started ending all my motivational talks with a spoken word piece. And when people would invite me to speak, I would just perform my poetry. And it was just received so, so well. And it literally was one thing that very, very niche that I kind of really felt like was my calling. Um, it's something I'm so, so passionate about using words as power like that's what I speak about in my talks and um, everything you know you've probably heard me on I kind of speak about the power of affirmation you know what we think about we bring about and what we you know speak to ourselves internally and you know out there really comes into reality and you know spoken word for me is almost like my release but it's also kind of me manifesting for myself to be honest and just sharing some really key messages so I'd say even if you had to ask me what I write about, it's whatever's true to me. And that's why I think it's interesting you ask the question of what it means to be black and British. Um, that definitely comes out in my poetry, quite emotionally come from a place of, you know, some of the deep challenges that you face, you know, racial, economically, all these kinds of things that I guess are feeling not only felt by me as an individual, but people as a community. And I feel like I'm able to kind of channel my emotion and that emotion of the larger black community especially in black britain and for young women and kind of yeah share that in a very poetic way mm. you know that always becomes storytelling in a way and it's a kind of really lovely medium to share messages that are kind of things that you know people are not always comfortable to talk about um, and things that bring people joy. It's brought so many emotions to people when I've performed in all kinds of stages and it's just something that, yeah, I could, you know, like if I was left one thing to do for the rest of my life, it really would be spoken word. So it's a super powerful medium. So you, you've published a spoken word anthology. What's the name of that? Tell tell the so, listeners. Yeah, so my spoken word book is called Empress State of Mind. Um, we're having a new edition, kind of May 2023 edition, because I feel like, the time that I wrote that was similar to the time that I started I Am Queen, so around 14, so like a kind of, I guess, a year in to doing I Am Queen and me kind of discovering and finding my voice, mm. you know, and just like walking into my truth. So I said, you know what, this is another medium that's literally, as I've done this, I've just found new and new and newer ways to just kind of put my message out there, which I'm super 
passionate about, as you mm. can probably tell. Yeah, I love it. Um, so yeah, so 14 was when I published that, I self-published that. I discovered what self-publishing is. Um, and it's another medium out there. And it was, I believe, well, I guess you could call it my second book. I guess the first thing that I ever really wrote related to Iron Queen was like a 14-day affirmation guide as you can see a bit and that, and that, here. yeah and that one is called the queen affirmation guide literally right yeah that one's yeah. called find the queen within ah okay so yeah find the queen within um and then 14 is when i wrote empress state of mind which really um people kind of asked me like how did you write it it was kind of just like literally i started to find a theme in my poetry um that was very much about young women empowerment how I see beauty, that kind of thing. And I said, you know what, let me put this together into a piece. I remember coming up with the um, concept Empress State of Mind, which I used in my workshops to this day. And I was like, yeah, that's something I have to put together. And it was received well again. Um, I've signed hundreds of copies. And yeah, so I'm, I'm super proud of that. And there's only more, you know, poetry stuff so and books that have to come out. Can you perform one of your poems for us, please? I would love to hear one. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, if you want to hear one now, that is not a problem. I've got the poem here. Um, this is one, I guess, is kind of on theme. Um, like I said, a lot of the poetry I write is personal, but it also, I guess, relates to the Black community in one way or the other. Um, this is a poem I wrote for Black History Month. Um, it's called The Elegance of a Black Butterfly. Our pain produced joy. The adversity manifested wounded healers, trauma that no one's soul should ever experience. Yet as a people, we don't remain selfish, but selfless forevermore. Ready to wash the world with freedom, freedom against war. The essence of black love has complexities, but it's more than a smile, more than change release, more than chance in streets, more than music and soul, more than culture and understanding to me. More like a translation of 400 years plus of received hatred and jealousy reincarnated into spiritual blacktastic energy. An energy and a frequency. Never matched because the melanin in your joy speaks to me. King, queen, empress, lioness, Garveyite, messiah, golden one, sweetie, revolutionary. Your strength is what stopped so many worlds from snapping apart. And they thought that they could break you, but little did they know that it complements your art. It helped you craft your masterpiece, because a single foot shook up the world, and even more when they had millions more. March, then sway. Shout, then sing. Demolish, then build. Scream, then cry. Complain, then liberate. It only flipped and switched this very moment in context to present my soul to the world in power, in contrast to how I was treated. Then they noticed how I moved and they found evidence. Furthermore, I found evidence that black love is soothing and our innocence came from this struggle. We found peace and they continue to fight what really is a reflection of themselves. Supremacy cannot exist if there is no concept of hierarchy. So let them see it black and white, clear as crystal, because the difference is, is that you can't see gods roaming these very streets. And the very reason you want to replicate my authenticity is because black love is all embracing. And the blessed reflection of beauty and perfection is often the one we see in the mirror. I think of it as a butterfly 
Our trauma was a caterpillar lost and unrecognised, misunderstood and misconceptualised, yet to cocoon its deepest emotions while the world thought she died. Only to embed a deeper message in disguise, I am the most beautiful aesthetic to ever come before your eyes. I am the creator of all. I am the elegant black butterfly. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. Mm. You kind of put me on the spot, but hey. yeah, keeping me on my toes. Exactly. Me on I was my like, toes. you know, yeah. come on. Get recognized <laughs> gamers. They say, you know, you can do it. You can do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was really, really beautiful. And, you know, we're Thank running you. out of time, sadly, but I want to talk about um, the other aspect of your your creativity and communication, which is your mm-hmm. podcast. Queen Tings yes. only, which I mentioned at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that about? Yeah, um, the Queen Tings only podcast is an extension of myself. It basically is representing and showcasing Black women's excellence through all kinds of industries that they're in. It's them sharing their expertise, their challenges, um, their joy almost in a very yeah, a real format. Um, I kind of want to keep it as real and raw as possible and honest as possible, you know. Um, not everything is always as beautiful as it seems, so I think it's good that we see the raw, the real, um, and our joy as well. I think that's that's even another poem I probably even should have chosen before, but um, celebrating Black Girl Joy. Like, I'm very big on that and just having real, raw conversations um, and celebrating excellence. So... That's what it is. Um, it's celebrating our black queens. And that's why it's Queen Things Only. That's why <laughs> the name says what it says. It really um, does. And I only, yeah, want it to grow and, yeah, more beautiful black women to just, yeah, to bless, bless the podcast. I love that. So people check out the podcast Queen Things Only. In terms of your work and your, your workshops, and you've talked about that before, you've been on TV in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about your, your following. Like who... Who have you impacted? And and of those people, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what kind of feedback you get because you've had positive feedback. Yeah. Is, it, is it nationwide? Am I going to see you uh, on the TV again? <laughs> yeah, most probably. Um, I guess the people that I've got, you know, the opportunities to be on TV and to be on radio and all that kind of thing uh, is literally just through me just being me, to be really honest. Um you know, like I said, what I think is a literal gift that I've been able to do, all I've been able to do, because I'm able to do what some adults might struggle to, to walk in a room confident and be like, this is what I do, this is my expertise, and this is what I offer, um, and this is what I'm trying to bring to the world, and this is why, I'm, you know, I'm going to change the world. You know, it's an interesting and very unique experience, because I'm still young, so I've had experiences where I've done like work experience, for example, and I'm just very open-minded to kind of all kinds of industries, but I'm kind of like speaking to, you know, high professionals and I'm like, I'm ready to change the world, you know, and I don't care if you think I'm crazy kind of thing. So that alone has led me to a lot of opportunities and people have recognised that confidence. So um, I've been able to speak to an array of different people. Um, Me being on radio, I'm not sure what, yeah, in the UK, I was featured for Black History Month with Shawnee B, um, which was really, really amazing, really good And fun. what station was that for um, our global listeners? Do you remember? So that was on, yeah, BBC, BBC One Extra. 
um, which was really exciting. I got to share, you know, another spoken word piece. And then, yeah, I've been a part of really some amazing things. Like I did something with Nike a while back. It was, well, when I was 14, <laughs> um, it was a project called 14, celebrating, you know, girls doing kind of sports and just expression as a whole. Um, I networked with some of the people from the Receipts podcast, um, things like that, to be honest. Like the list really goes on of just all like really influential people in, you know, um, you know, kind of corp- the corporate world, the creative world, music, fashion, art, um, people just making a difference. Mm-hmm. and you know, even adults themselves, it's really, you know, kind of, yeah, like I said, a really unique experience for, you know, adults to be like, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Keep going, you know? And it's like, I'm kind of looking at you as a a role model in a way or someone, you know, because I guess we kind of, you know, class ourselves where we kind of think we are. Um, But it definitely is a massive confidence booster, kind of just a validation of my own ideas, which is needed sometimes to keep me, motivated mm. you know oh so mm. really briefly what kind of work do you do in schools you're going in and you do your um your speaking public yeah speaking? so the workshops that I do so I do one workshop called the author of your life which basically is kind of a guide to wellness and self-publishing um and then I kind of do another workshop find the queen within so a lot of it is around like mindset wellness self-development self-love and as well as entrepreneurship, I also teach entrepreneurship as well. I kind of go into schools, um, I share my journey and I share self-publishing because I feel like everybody has a book inside of them. That's one thing I've learned at least. Um, everyone has a story to tell. And once you kind of just even reflect on your story, and just find out who you are. That is powerful to share with other people. So that is that is one thing I share with schools. And um, yeah, it's an extremely, it's not even just that like, rewarding for myself. It just really brings me joy um and yeah so I'm, I'm grateful for everyone that I've worked with oh man on that note it's <laughs> time to say thank you <laughs> so much I heard that side you're like things to say Woo. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much and um keep going thank you. Like, like the like the other grown-up said keep going we need you this is great no oh, thank you so much no, thank you so much absolutely thank you so much for your time thank you Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Kenya Juma, who is the host and producer of the Queen Tings Only podcast. She's also an entrepreneur at the heart of IamQueen.com. You can listen to Queen Tings Only on IamQueen.com and on this show, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our production team includes Cerise Small, Larissa Witcher, Ty Hughes, and Eugene Kidd. The Cypher is a production of My Lens Media, Inc. Thank you very much for joining us. The Cypher is a My Lens Media production. <laughs>